the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. My name is Mike Lee, filling in for Georgine, and I also get to host a ministry spotlight program called Difference Makers, which airs on True Talk at 100, Fridays, Saturdays, and Monday afternoons at 1, and it also airs Saturdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 KPDQ. 2020 hasn't been the easiest of years by any means, so I thought it might be fun to feature a few churches that are hosting free events that you could drive your family to. Apostolic Faith Church in Portland, the Neighborhood Church in Tualatin, and Morningstar Community Church in Salem were interviewed earlier this month about their free admission light shows. I hope you enjoyed them. We have a very special guest expert. She's served for many years as the managing editor at Apostolic Faith Church's Christmas on the Campground event. Welcome, Katie Hinkle. How are you today? I'm doing well. It's really nice to be back, Mike. I think you've been on about as many times as anyone has ever been on Difference Makers. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule, especially now, and for giving us the update on the drive-by Christmas on the campground event. But first of all, tell me, how are you holding up at Apostolic Faith Church located on Southeast Duke Street in Portland? Are you able to meet in person? Are you primarily streaming services online? And how is that working in continuing to make connections with people? We're doing really well at the Apostolic Faith Church. We were streaming our, most of our services prior to when the pandemic closures went into effect. So initially, we eliminated all of the audience at the services and just had a few people coming to maybe 10 people would hold a service that we webcast. And eventually, we were able to add an audience smaller and small group at first and were able to increase the numbers. We did close again a couple weeks ago because of the freeze in Oregon, and now we're back to having an audience. So we we always have the live stream, and when we can, we have an audience come, and we just tell people if they feel comfortable, they can sign up and make a reservation because we do have limited numbers. But the services have been wonderful for those who have been able to attend, but most of us are also watching at home. We can't come every time, and um, that has been really good for us too. And you may remember that since about 1965, Apostolic Faith Church has aired its services live, 11 a.m. Sunday mornings on 93.9 KPDQ-FM. And you can see their live services on their online webcasts. You can check their websites out, which include apostolicfaith.org, christmasonthecampground.com, and do make sure to follow both Christmas on the Campground and Apostolic Faith Church Portland on Facebook, in addition to their YouTube channel, Apostolic Faith HQ, because you may not know this, but this church is actually the denomination's worldwide congregation headquarters. So, Katie, did that put you in a better position once the pandemic began to be able to continue ministering to people? It did. Because we're the world headquarters for this organization, 
we had already been webcasting. We do conventions in the summertime and special meetings throughout the year. And we had webcasting set up so that our churches around the world could watch. So that made it a smoother transition. And some of our smaller congregations who maybe didn't have webcasting yet were able to watch our webcast when the churches were closed. So for us, it was a smoother transition. Obviously, nothing is as good as being in person at church. But maybe just one week at the beginning, we were watching repeated archive services. But since then, we've had live services that we could at least stream. That's wonderful that you were able to continue your ministry so smoothly. So how's Pastor Dave doing? Uh, He's doing really well. Maybe I shouldn't speak on his behalf. I think he's doing really well. He seems um, always in a good mood. And um, yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. Can you speak more in depth about what video offerings you're able to share with the community, Katie? Sure. We have Sunday morning services at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. and also weeknight services on Tuesdays. We replay a sermon from our archives. Usually these sermons are at least 20, 30 years old. And on Fridays as well, we do a live service. Usually we would have a choir at this time. We can't assemble a choir, but we have our musicians, not a full orchestra, but on Sunday mornings we have maybe a dozen people who are distanced. And so we have orchestra music and specials and ensembles and then a message. Normally, when we're not under health restrictions, we have Sunday school every week at 9.30 for all ages, and it was very difficult to stop doing our Sunday school lessons, but at the probably just three weeks into the closures, our department leaders suggested that we put together a weekly video, which seemed like a monumental task because none of our Sunday school staff are really experienced with making videos. But they actually put one together themselves and said, this is what we have in mind. And it was a segment with a time of singing and then another segment with a Bible story told. Sometimes the first one, I think, was a felt board. And then they do a Bible verse that they teach to the kids and then an object lesson and a prayer at the end. And each segment was done by a different person and they put it together in one cohesive lesson. And the way that it's broken up, it's manageable to have lots of people just do one clip every month and put it together. And we've been able to have weekly videos with all of our teachers and even our students will reach out to them and ask them to do a special. So they get to see themselves in the video sometimes every week. And it has been such a blessing, I think, for the teachers to still be involved and for the students to see their teachers every week and some of their friends. It has been a huge blessing for us. Well, it's very similar to the education system right now during these pandemic closures, Katie. So I'm so glad that you've been able to make lemonade out of this lemon of a situation we find ourselves in. And I'm confident this is not going to last forever. So thanks for building that bridge in between the times of when we can get back together more regularly. Sure. So how are things going with your girls club? You know, Girls Club, we stopped, I think it was mid-March when the closure started, and actually we were in the middle of a Girls Club movie night when we got the notice that we would not be having church the following weekend. And we thought maybe just one or two weeks later we'd be back, um, but we have not met again in person since. But in the fall, we decided to start meeting on Zoom, which I was a little worried that the kids would be tired because I know they're doing their classes over Zoom and other platforms like that. But Girls Club has actually been a great time that we play simple games. Maybe we'll do Simon Says together or 
a really popular game has been Cahoots, which I had never heard of, but all of the kids told me that they loved it. And, you know, the time together, honestly, the visiting and the chatting has been so nice just to see their faces again and for them to get to spend some time together. So it's been going really well. This week, we're sending a gingerbread house for something special for Christmas. We're spending a a gingerbread house to each of their houses, and we're going to try to assemble our gingerbread houses together in our own homes, but over Zoom. And um, I think it will be fun. What a great idea. I love how creative you've been in this time, Katie. How has Apostolic Faith Church been able to reach out to the elderly in particular? I have been so impressed with different people that it seems different people in our church just have a burden for different groups. And starting at the very beginning, several families started doing meals for the seniors and those who are shut in and maybe even at care facilities who were really not able to have contact outside of sometimes just themselves in their room. So there was a group who started putting together a monthly meal or a weekly meal that they delivered, I think every Thursday. They kept that up for a few months. And then um, since then, I think the same team has, they did a Labor Day meal where they deliver to anyone in our congregation who's interested. They drop off a sack meal. And this weekend, they're doing a Christmas meal for anyone in our congregation. You can pick it up or have it delivered. It's going to be a ham Christmas dinner. And even though normally we have these meals usually together and it's a time of fellowship, just knowing that they still care and they're thinking about you and they're making this food for you, it is really such a kind gesture. And it really means a lot, I think, to everyone who's receiving it. I think that some people have been actually thriving throughout these closures and meeting remotely, but there's so many people, even those who aren't the most extroverted, that really miss in-person meetings. So thanks for doing what you can to reach out to our seniors. Mm-hmm. For years, Katie Hinkle has been a part of the Apostolic Faith Church's major event, Christmas on the Campground. More with Katie next on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. My name is Mike Lee. I get to fill in for Georgine today. Katie Hinkle is managing editor with the Apostolic Faith Church. Check out their services live at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning on 93.9 KPDQ-FM. And for more details on Christmas on the Campground, check out the website apostolicfaith.org and christmasonthecampground.com. I want to ask you personally, as someone who's participated so much in Christmas on the Campground at Apostolic Faith Church in Portland, how has it been adjusting to having to run the event so differently this year? And what can we expect at Christmas on the Campground? I would say I've had very mixed feelings because on the one hand, so much work goes into holding Christmas on the campground. I mean, hundreds of people are involved in setting it up and running it during the three nights. And sometimes I wonder how in the world would we have done that this year? Like, where would we have found the time to do all that? And I'm sure there are a lot of other people who feel the same way. So this year has been so strange. Some weekends when we would usually have our dress rehearsal, I I find myself saying to a friend or someone in my family, wow, we would have been doing our dress rehearsal this weekend, or actually Christmas on the campground would be starting this Friday night if it were going according to schedule, and we would be all hands on deck right now. Um, So there's a lot of things that we miss. We also, you know, having a break from all of that work 
is a blessing in some ways. Um, this year, all that all we've done is just decorate the front lawn. Usually, we decorate the whole property and have train rides going around. This year, we've just decorated the front lawn, and we are not even able to have people come on the property. So. Um, what you can do is come and just drive by along Duke Street, or you can park and walk along and see the lights. We have Christmas music playing from about 4.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., and the lights come on at dusk. So you can just come and enjoy the lights, and um, it's very limited, but we are happy that we can offer something. And uh, we're just hoping that all of our Sunday school kids will come and enjoy it, and maybe next year if we can do it, as we have in the past, you know, we'll just appreciate it even more since we haven't had it this year. Well, Christmas on the campground over the years has been such a legendary tradition in the Portland area. So if you must cut it back due to the coronavirus, I sincerely hope that everyone involved with it over the years has been able to take a breath and relax a little because when you're serving in ministry, it can be overwhelming at times, can't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's something that we do. We love doing these things, but it can become overwhelming. So I think we're all appreciating the break and taking it for its wor- what it's worth. Um, and then, you know, just come back as with our all of our energy next year. Well, we're looking forward to that. And we're optimistic that it will come. But when I think about Christmas on the campground at Apostolic Faith Church and the thousands of lights and the life-size nativity and the tallest decorated Christmas tree in southeast Portland, I think to myself, a scaled-back version from Apostolic Faith is probably much bigger than the full-blown version that a lot of churches can put together. Well, I mean, I may be a little bit biased, but yes, I think it's a beautiful display. I've never seen anything like it in southeast Portland, that's for sure. Our campground is not open, so you can park and walk. You're just walking along Duke Street and the sidewalks outside of our property. So you can walk right along the front and look at the front lawn and see all of the lights there. But it's a wonderful view from Duke Street with the thousands of lights that you are able to put up this year. Yes, absolutely. So as a people person, as a mentor to young ladies in particular, how are you holding up with having to do so many things differently from usual? You know, it's been quite an adjustment, but um, we're just trying to take things as they come. I think initially I didn't think that this would last for very long. So my thought was just, well, you know, we'll be on pause for different activities until we can resume. And then when it became clear that this was not a short-term change, um, the creativity from different people in our church just really came to light. The ways that people have adapted what they would usually do and made it work under the restrictions that we have right now. So I think we're all kind of just open to new ways of doing things and being flexible and realizing that doing things the way we always have isn't necessary. There are other options and um, other ways to do what God is calling us to do. Well, I'm so glad that you're able to continue Christmas on the campground. It is still beautiful, wonderful version, and I sincerely hope and pray that families in the area and from outside of the area can drive out to Apostolic Faith Church in Portland and enjoy what you have up. Yeah, thank you. We have seen quite a few people coming in the evenings, and it has been a blessing to us as well because it has been a difficult year, and this is one bright spot or something fun 
Um, not what we would usually offer, but it is still really fun to come and see the lights, get a cup of hot cocoa before you come and um, just enjoy the music. We had a family come on Saturday who were singers themselves and someone happened to record them singing a song about Jesus, the light of the world, which is on our tabernacle. It says Jesus, the light of the world. And I mean, it was such a blessing to everybody. Someone had recorded it. So then we shared the video on the Christmas on the Campground Facebook page. I think over a thousand people have seen it. And just those little encouraging moments, they mean everything right now in a time that has been honestly discouraging in many ways. Well, that's for sure. So thank you so much, Katie Hankel, Managing Editor from Apostolic Faith Church. Please make sure that you follow the websites, apostolicfaith.org, christmasonthecampground.com, and the Facebook pages for Christmas on the Campground and Apostolic Faith Church Portland, in addition to the YouTube channel for Apostolic Faith HQ. And don't forget to tune in to Pastor Dave on the Apostolic Faith Church Its live service airs at 11 a.m. Sunday mornings on 93.9 KPDQ-FM. And Katie, thank you so much. Is there anyone you want to say hi to? Um, Who would I say hi to? Hi to my mom. (laughs) She's probably the only one listening for me. (laughs) (laughs) I think you underestimate that, Katie. But thank you so much again for your service to the community. And God bless you, Pastor Dave, Apostolic Faith Church, and Christmas on the Campground. Let's find out what's going on at the Neighborhood Church in Tualatin next on The Georgine Wright Show. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee, and our very special guest is the lead pastor of the Neighborhood Church located on Southwest Stafford Road. That's right off of I-205 Exit 3 in Tualatin. Welcome, Pastor Paul Owen. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you, Mike. Thanks for inviting me on your program. Well, always a pleasure. Among other things, I want to make sure that we mention your big free event, Nativity Lights on Stafford Road every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday throughout December, and that's from 5.30 to 8 p.m. So would you like to give us the view from 30,000 feet? Yeah, so this is the fifth year for us for Nativity Lights on Stafford Road. That's what we call it, and the whole idea is it's a dark season in the middle of the winter, and it's the middle of Advent, and Advent is an opportunity to share the light of Jesus Christ, and so... We want people on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays to drive through the drive through loop and see the Christmas lights. And uh, there's also some walking paths, and we have, you know, some COVID restrictions, but there is um, some ability to walk on paths on our property, to walk under the trees and lights. Just an opportunity to share the love of Jesus and, you know, see our neighbors eye to eye from six feet away while they're looking at Christmas lights. It actually started as a drive through only the first year we did it, and we set up a coffee tent out in the parking lot in the middle of winter to try to meet our neighbors, and uh, it went okay, not as well as we had hoped, and we decided to bring the cocoa and cider inside the next year, and each year it's just been a good opportunity um, kind of to treat the Christmas season and the lights as kind of a front doorstep with our neighbors and uh, get to know them just a little bit. A lot of people who would never come to a church, it becomes an opportunity for them to drive on the property, uh, have a little bit of conversation, build a little bit of comfort, and then we get to you know just gently and subtly point them towards Jesus. More with Pastor Paul Owen next. Don't miss Nativity Lights at Stafford Road, featured at the Neighborhood Church in Tualatin. 
I'm Mike Lee, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. My name is Mike Lee, and Pastor Paul Owen serves at the Neighborhood Church in Tualatin. What a great location to have a drive through event such as yours. And if anything, this has prepared your church for the coronavirus season, probably better than the average church's Christmas events, right? Yeah, you know, um, for many events that, you know, you have the choir and the orchestra or a play and, and a lot of those things, they can't happen. And some churches have gone online and I, I applaud the churches who have done that. But with this being kind of our approach over the last five years, uh, we're able to kind of keep moving the way that we do. We, we normally have a little bit more uh, connectivity with people, you know, physical proximity. And we've definitely cut back on that to allow for distance. But I think the fact that we have this driveway that's available during COVID that's all lit up and beautiful, uh, it's just kind of provided a, a unique opportunity for us. Is it still relatively the same as when you first launched Nativity Lights on Stafford Road? Yeah, well, it's grown in the kind of the scope. You know, we all churches do things on a budget, and you know, we started with uh, a few trees decorated and some uh, nativity scenes out there, and now we have. Um, it's pretty unique. Our driveway, from the moment you enter it and go through the loop at the bottom all the way to the top, is a half a mile, and so that's you know that's not a long drive, but that's a that's. Um, that's a pretty nice drive. But then the walking paths we've expanded over the years. Um, we have a mile of walking paths on our property where people can spread out and uh, walk through four different walking paths. So it started just as drive through. Now it's drive through with a walking option. And we kind of limit the amount of walking that happens because of COVID. We've limited our parking lot, how many cars can park in. And people understand when the parking lot reaches what we feel is capacity, then, you know, people just pull through and enjoy. So nobody has to get out of their car and walk, but people are able as there are spots available. I think that's a rational and responsible way to keep the event going, Pastor Paul Owen of the Neighborhood Church. So if you had to take a guess, how many people do you think have come that were complete strangers to the Neighborhood Church? Oh, over our first weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I would say several thousand people who have never been to our church came through. And, you know, cars come with families, mom and dad and kids, or, you know, dad and the kids are a single mom and the kids are grandma and the grandkids, and they drive through. And I would say, you know, we greet them in the parking lot kind of from, from distance and I'd say 90%, if not more, of the people who drive through are people we've never met before. And so that's one of the really special things about this is families are looking for something to do this time of year. And we get to provide it for free and uh, just, just love on them, provide care. Everyone who comes gets a little gift when they come in the door, as long as they last anyways. And um, it's just it's been really special. So, yeah, a couple thousand people that we've never met before. That's fantastic. Do you ever ask how far they're driving from? Uh, yeah, yeah. We have uh, people uh, this last weekend up north of Vancouver, the Ridgefield area. Uh, we've had people from Albany drive up. In fact, I saw somebody online tell their friends, and I don't know don't know them, but I saw it, they uh, shared 
our story on Facebook and they vouched for this family in Albany and said, no, you come up, it's worth it. And, you know, it's the truth is it's really simple, but when you drive through it, it is breathtaking uh, in the middle of the darkness of winter. And the darkness of winter kind of just represents that darkness between the Old and the New Testament where, you know, there wasn't this voice of God that was discerned or known by people. And there was this waiting period and the light of Nativity Lights becomes that first glimpse of the gospel and the New Testament and the story of Jesus. So people have come a long way um, and we really enjoy it, just ourselves doing it. Well, now that we know that this is not the first rodeo for the Neighborhood Church, can you tell us where the vision for your Nativity Lights began? Uh, You know, it's interesting. Uh, There's a family in the church that knew that we wanted to do something several years ago. And they've been in our church for 50 plus years. Our, our church is, is just a couple years away from being 90 years old. And it's, you know, it's weathered all kinds of storms and been just, you know, God has blessed it through those years. But they knew that we wanted to do something like that. And so they came to me and said, hey, could we pay uh, to have one of our large trees? We have in front of our driveway, we have a tree that's about 60 feet tall. They said, hey, could we pay? to decorate that tree and then we'd like to buy a nativity scene and put it on display and i mean that really started it a little over five years ago you know a few months before christmas as we were talking this family just knew the heart of it and they they wanted to put up some money and you know it wasn't big money it was just honestly it was so simple and the the first year that we did it i mean it, it was there was just a small group of people that came through but those connections Uh, We can actually, people who come back that were there that first year that say, hey, we were here the first year, it's it's really special. So that family who gave that money, we wouldn't be here without that first gift and them having the heart for it. They just, they're really good people. Oh, I love it. Off the top of your head, Pastor Paul, do any names of volunteers or helpers come to mind that you'd like to thank or send a shout out to? Oh my goodness. Uh, There's so many people that do uh, wonderful things. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that you asked. Uh, At last week's service, we were talking about it, and there were easily 60 people in our congregation that had done something to make this happen, whether it was that they put the gift packets together, whether they prayed over people, uh, maybe they put Christmas lights around a tree or a bush, or they worked in the parking lot. Uh, they're just an incredible team. I think of uh, a young woman in our church. Her name is Sharmila, who just uh, gives tons of hours for this. I think of a young man named Ben, who gives a ton of hours for this. There's an older gentleman in our church, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to say older about him, but he'll understand, who's literally sat in the parking lot each night that we've done this with you know a wand that glows and just directed traffic in the way that they go, and his name's Steve. And just the faithfulness of these people had just been really special to make this event happen. Having a vision is one thing, having a plan, but having the people to pull it off, um, that's, that's been really good. So kudos to Steve and the initial couple and everyone else, whether or not they got mentioned this time around, for your service and for your sacrifice, because you're planting seeds of the gospel into people's lives who need it in a year, probably more desperately than we've seen in a while. So Pastor Paul, have you seen people in a different way this year versus in the past? 
Well, people are so happy when they come here because, um, you know, a lot of things have been canceled. And if anybody canceled something, you know, they had to do what was right for them. And so to find something that doesn't cost 40 or $50 for your family to go to, plus, you know, whatever you would buy when you were there, that's free. As families pull in, there's a sense of joy. And when they leave, it's like the joy meter even goes higher. So we, we've always had good interactions, but honestly, I feel like we're, we're meeting a, a need for people for some, some level of social interaction that includes joy that's kind of been missing in their life this year. And it's, uh, it's really special to watch that. More with Pastor Paul Owen next from the Neighborhood Church in Tualatin. I'm Mike Lee, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Thanks so much for listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee, and our very special guest is the lead pastor of the Neighborhood Church located on Southwest Stafford Road. That's right off of I-205 Exit 3 in Tualatin. Well, especially now, Pastor Paul, I'm glad that you're bringing hope to people in this season where I think it's going to be more appreciated than in the past, considering how many things got shut down this year for various reasons. Yeah, absolutely. The church has a responsibility to give hope. You know, we're not perfect. Our, our church isn't. It's one of the things in the information we give. There's a little gift and some information. And the very last thing that we say is we're imperfect people. You know, God picked us up out of the muck, out of the mire. You know, we called to him. He turned to us. He heard our cry. He helped us and he gave us a firm place to stand. And this is the truth about us. We're messy. We have messy past and we want to be honest with our story. And I think people need hope, but they want to find hope at a place where people who have a past are honest about their past. And so if you have one, you can show up there too and you can find healing. You can find wholeness. You can begin again. It's one of the things that a mentor of mine years ago said over and over and over. He said, it's never too late to begin again. And I think as uh, people come here, that that's really our heart is that they see we're imperfect and imperfect people are welcome. I want to reiterate what you just said, Pastor Paul Owen, that the church, as they say, is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners, and we're all sinners. Everyone has baggage. People might look a little better on Sundays or in front of the crowd or especially on their social media, but we're all just dirt without Christ less than dirt. So I'm glad that you've invited the community to come out to the Neighborhood Church to attend your Nativity Lights event. Yeah, and one of the things I want to say is we ask people to follow all of the social distancing rules. You know, wear a mask when you come, give space for people, be respectful. You know, we want it to be a positive thing for everybody there. And, you know, some people come and they they want that space, and so we want to provide it. So, you know, if people do come, uh, we just want to encourage them to follow just social distancing guidelines and mask up. I love it. So how long have you been the lead pastor at the Neighborhood Church, Pastor Paul Owen? Well, this is my 10th Christmas, which means I've completed nine years as pastor here. And uh, it's it's been a beautiful journey, and God's been good to us. Uh, my wife and I came here from Seattle. Our whole life was up in that area, and just God brought us down here. 
us and our three kids back in 2011. And since then, he gave us a fourth gift, our son, Nicholas, a gift we didn't know we wanted, but he knew we wanted it and he gave it to us. And so uh, we've been here for nine years now. Pastor Paul, have any families come to visit or join Neighborhood Church after initially finding you at Nativity Lights? Yeah, we have over the years had some families uh, that come in and it's interesting to be able to connect with those families. There's a family that actually came that very first year that I'm thinking of right now that um, it was a rainy night. We were under this coffee tent with some lights out there, way less light than there is now. And we just got to hear these people's story, um, got to listen to them. You know, life was messy for them. And they, on a rainy, cold, miserable night, I think they just felt loved and uh, they've been considering this place their home since that. And here it is now, you know, four years later from that, here in our fifth year. And so it's been pretty neat. There, it's not like a ton of people, but there are some people. And for me, yeah, I want the church to grow and I want people to come that, you know, Nativity Lights may be a front door. But you know, I trust the Lord. He's in charge of that. Uh, we just want to plant a bunch of seed and point people to Jesus along the way. Pastor Paul Owen, thank you so much and everyone at the Neighborhood Church for hosting Nativity Lights on Stafford Road every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the month of December from 5.30 to 8 p.m. Would you like to send a shout out to anyone? Uh, Hello, everyone who's listening. I love you. I don't know you, but I can't wait to meet you. I'll make sure all of the information on Nativity Lights on Stafford Road is up on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. And please make sure to follow The Neighborhood Church at theneighborhoodchurch.org, also on Facebook and Instagram. So thank you again, Lead Pastor Paul Owen and The Neighborhood Church on Southwest Stafford Road in Tualatin. I'm Mike Lee, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. If you go to our websites, truetalkit100.com, thefishportland.com, and kpdq.com, you'll find all of the latest information on different events where you can safely and responsibly take your families out to enjoy this season. And we probably need that more than ever, especially those of us who are blessed with kids. So here to give us a new option this year is my dear friend, Pastor Jared Boltman from Morning Star Community Church in Salem, Oregon. And you've got to check out the website, thelightsatmorningstar.com. That's thelightsatmorningstar.com to find out all about, well, the lights at Morningstar. So welcome, Jared. How are you today? Fantastic. Thank you, Mike. It's an honor to be on the show. You are one of the finest people I have ever met in my years on this earth, and we're very excited about the lights at Morningstar. So can you give us the big picture? What exactly is this brand new event? Yeah, we're really excited to be able to present this to the community as an option for something that is fun for the family, something that uh, we can make memories at, something that uh, there can be some joy and hope in this season where there's really not uh, a whole lot of of that. It's been a it's been a hard year in 2020, and so we wanted to do something that would be COVID safe and something that would uh, be something fun that people can do at Christmas time when when there's been so many alterations, changes, cancellations to the traditions that we enjoy. 
We hate to bring up the C word, but with the coronavirus in place and people being of very mixed opinions when it comes to safety, health, and comfort, it's wonderful that Morning Star Church in Salem could put together an event where you could enjoy it from the safety of your own vehicle. I remember growing up on Long Island in New York, and the Jones Beach Light Festival was this huge multi-station event that people went to for generations. So I'm excited to see the Lights at Morningstar launch now, and I wonder, years from now, how many people are going to bring their kids? Is there any cost to get into the Lights at Morningstar? No, we wanted to make this as accessible to as many people as possible, so this is a free event. Behind the scenes, it's certainly not free. There's there's quite a bit to do, to prepare, to construct, to build, to assemble, to be able to do this. And we've got some fantastic business partners, but the event itself is completely free for everybody to attend. Uh, we wanted this to be something that we can not only do for the community, but do with the community. And so, uh, yeah, we want this to be as accessible to as many people as we can. So it's it's completely free. As always, the details to the event are on the community calendars online at truetalk100.com, kpdq.com, and thefishportland.com. And the dates to mark on your calendar will be 6 to 9 p.m. in Salem, and that'll be every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in December plus December 23rd and Christmas Eve, December 24th. I'm Mike Lee, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. This is The Georgine Rice Show. My name is Mike Lee, filling in for Georgine. Thank you so much, Pastor Jared Boltman of Morningstar Community Church in Salem. As always, the details to the event are on the community calendars online at truetalk100.com, kpdq.com, and thefishportland.com. And the dates to mark on your calendar will be 6 to 9 p.m. in Salem, and that'll be every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in December, plus December 23rd and Christmas Eve, December 24th. We're very excited about that. And Jared... Are the lights at Morningstar affiliated with any charities or ways to help out the immediate community? Yeah, that is a big passion of ours as well. We want to be community-minded. We want to help where we possibly can. And we're also excited to not only start this new event, but to partner with a new nonprofit called Salem Angels. And they are created to wrap community around families experiencing foster care. So the kids, the families themselves can receive tangible, practical help through Salem Angels. And they're, they're a great nonprofit. They're actually a, a nationwide ministry called National Angels is, is the first one that started. And they're in about 20 to 25 cities now across the country. And there's been some great success in helping foster families. And I don't know if you're aware of this, Mike, but currently in Salem right now, there are more foster families who are dropping out of doing foster care than there are who are adding. And and so that, that creates a very difficult situation. It's, you know, they've got great hearts. All the families that have done this have, have great hearts to do it, but it's just, it's really exhausting. It's very difficult. And so when we can come together alongside those families and care for them, uh, that is, that's a huge blessing to them. And so we certainly are excited to support Salem Angels in this effort through this event. And so 
while the event is free, uh, people will have an opportunity to learn about Salem Angels and how they can become tangibly involved. And if people uh, feel led to give financially to Salem Angels, they'll have that opportunity as well. That is wonderful. I'm so glad that Morningstar Church in Salem can help out Salem Angels, especially because so many friends of ours and relatives have had experience in the foster care system. And it's a wonderful ministry, but it's incredibly difficult and draining, as you said. So just the ability that you're able to get the word out about Salem Angels and even help them receive donations is very admirable. So can you tell us about the event itself, Jared? The lights at Morningstar.com is the website address, but what's the big picture? Is there a narrative or a story that it's based around? Yeah, so you, I mean, you already gave the dates. So we appreciate that. The first three weekends in December, and then also the twenty third and twenty fourth, six p.m. to nine p.m. every night. Just picture yourself in this Christmas season with not a whole lot to do because uh, a lot of things have been altered or canceled, and you want to get out and you want to do something. You want to make memories, and so you come to Morning Star for this drive through Christmas lights experience that's that's really for everyone. And as you're doing this, you'll be able to hear an original score with an original story that is told throughout eight different scenes spread across the church property. And each of these scenes builds upon this story of this elf who is trying to uh, see where he fits in and and find worth and belonging. Uh, Every one of us at, at times in our life have, I think if we're honest with ourselves, struggled with where does our worth and where does our belonging, where where does our value come from? Where do we find true hope and true joy? And so that's kind of the story of this elf as he goes on this adventure and this journey. And so that's uh, kind of the fun part of the story. There's lots of lights and lots of uh, lots of things that will be spectacular to see and spectacular to hear. And it's just going to be a fun time. You'll be able to sip some hot chocolate and some apple cider as you're going along in the warmth and safety of your car and still be able to see everything as you're listening to this story through the app on your smartphone. And uh, yeah, it'll just be a fun time that's, like we said, accessible to everyone and and, uh, free as well. Are there any particular ages that would benefit most from the lights at Morningstar, Jared? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we see this as being something great for families, people with young children, or you know, even middle school age kids or high school age kids. Honestly, I'm 43. I, I love Christmas lights just as much now as I did when I was a child. So really, anybody who loves Christmas lights, anybody who loves uh, traditional Christmas themed things, uh, I think will have fun. Anybody who just loves the the joy and the hope, the spirit of Christmas. Uh, We know that that hope is found through Jesus Christ and that hope and that truth will be present in the presentation of this story for people. And it's, it's just a great opportunity to get out and do something fun. So honestly, we're saying, uh, you know, if you're between the ages of about one and 101, you're going to have fun with this. It should be a good time. Jared, I think there's a place for both ministries that feel led to preach about the story of Jesus and the nativity scene and the Bible. But I also believe that there's a place for family-friendly events. Maybe seeker-sensitive isn't quite the right term for it, but those that can embrace the community 
in a way that it might be more receptive to. So do you believe that the Lights at Morningstar is a good mix of the two? Yes. We certainly don't want to bash anybody over the head with the Bible. That was not the style of Jesus. That was not what we read about in Scripture. We want uh, the words of Scripture and the Holy Spirit to be guiding and leading people, and we want to just present the opportunity to share that hope and that truth and and give people the uh, the opportunity to either accept that or not. That's that's uh, up to people. There's nothing that we can do to twist people's arms or, or try to force anything on them, nor would we want to. Uh, we want to lovingly, caringly, and compassionately share the hope of Jesus Christ and also have something that's a, a fun event. We don't think that those things have to be exclusive of each other. You know, just because an event is fun doesn't mean that you can't talk about Jesus. And just because you're talking about Jesus doesn't mean that you can't have a fun event, if that makes sense. Don't miss the Lights at Morningstar. The Lights at Morningstar.com is the official website with all the details about this wonderful free admission event, fun for the whole family from the safety of your vehicle. 6 to 9 p.m., and that'll be every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in December, plus December 23rd and Christmas Eve, December 24th, to help raise awareness for and even contributions to Salem Angels helping out foster kids who desperately need it. So, Pastor Jared Bulbin, thank you so much for all you do. Well, it's an honor. Love love to be able to help our community and, and serve Jesus Christ, and I'd love to be able to share these things with you, Mike. Appreciate you for all you do. Morningstar Community Church is located off I-5 Egg at 252 Kubler Boulevard in Salem. And again, all the details are at thelightsatmorningstar.com, as well as truetalkat100.com, thefishportland.com, and kpdq.com. Hey, Jared, on our way out, is there anyone you want to say thanks to or send a shout out to? Yeah, thank you for asking, Mike. We've got some great sponsors that have really made this event possible uh, like we said, we wanted to do an event with the community, and we've got some great business partners, specifically Blum Real Estate, Boone Ridge Senior Living Community, Gills Point S Tires, Home Smart Realty with Marta Gerardo, Jackman Wealth Management, Triple D Construction, Tyler Winters Construction. Uh, we've got Adams Hill and Hess Personal Injury Law Firm, Bailey Chiropractic. Comfort Homes LLC, Fidelity National Title, Genexus Living, Landmark Professional Mortgage Company, Lupitz Inspection Services, Maduri Farms, Pacific Office Automation, Pack Trust, Rich Duncan Construction, Sailor Jack's Oceanfront Inn, Salem Heating and Sheet Metal, Sherry Lowry, Windermere Pacific West Properties, and United Rentals have all partnered with us to donate to this great free event that will benefit Salem Angels. And we're just so, so thrilled to have all of them as partners. And thanks also to you, Pastor Jared Boltman and Morningstar Community Church in Salem. Off I-5, exit 252 Kubler Boulevard with all the details at thelightsatmorningstar.com. Coming up next, it's Jessica Peterson from Young Life on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee filling in, and Jessica Peterson serves as North Community Director for Young Life. Tell me how you're holding up through this pandemic as a leader of youth. Oh, man. Um, you know, so I just actually came into this new appointment Um just as of, gosh, April. And 
I got to tell you, it was a very interesting transition. I wasn't expecting um, just everything to fall apart as we none of us were. And so I recognized that this was going to be a different time. And so it's been hard. And when I say hard, I don't mean it's hard to be with kids. I think um, we have had a fun and interesting time trying to build um, something that kids will come to. Um, and for me, being in a new position in a new industry, really understanding who the kids that I serve are and understanding um, how much how much importance is put on their families and building relationships with them. So I think I've been spending a lot of time um, getting to know kids individually and then also their families and the people that they, uh, that love them the most, right. And uh, becoming close with them. So it's definitely, it's definitely been interesting and it's been fun. I've been challenged. I have a great team of volunteers that uh, make the work really easy. Um, But it's hard when you can't really go a lot of places. Um, it's difficult when um, there aren't schools. You know, we dr- we thrive in being in the schools and um, going to games and going to lunches. And so we've had to essentially reinvent how we are with kids. And it's been a lot of uh, community um, driven focus and uh, inclusion of businesses who are being who have been willing uh, to have us in their space, you know, social distancing. So uh, definitely a, a task that I've been up for. And we've been we've been successful so far. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're there for the young ones, Jessica Peterson. What will people find at the website midvalleynorth.younglife.org? What's the big picture about what Young Life is doing in our community? Yeah, I uh, think the biggest thing is that we thrive on volunteers and we thrive on leaders. And so um, our website is compiled of uh, photos of what our current ministry is doing, um, information about how to be involved, whether that's as a financial donor, uh, whether that as a, as a business sponsor, or even just maybe interested in volunteering. And so we think about the big picture of how it takes a village to um, to lead a ministry, to lead kids. And um, that does take financial uh, contributions. And so we definitely are in that season of supporting us in the way that we can send more leaders to kids um, because they are volunteers and we want to make sure that they have the resources to be with kids, whether it's taking a kid out to coffee um, or providing kids with lunches or even, um, you know, taking them to their next event, whatever that looks like. And so um, currently we don't have any events right now. We had to adjust what our year was. Uh, Essentially we have three big events a year um, and we, basically compiled all of those into the fall because summer just really wasn't a thing. Um, but the really the end game is to give kids an opportunity to join us at camp at summer camp every uh June through August. And so our next um season is praying that camp will be a thing, if not if not even a scaled back version of it, um, that's safe for kids to attend. Um, and then having our communities come around to help uh, finance that because that does cost kids money, but we do a lot of fundraising in the spring. So we're just kind of looking forward to that. So our website would really be um, what's to come, uh, how you can support, how you can contribute, um, and hoping that we can all pull together in this next season. And that website, again, is midvalleynorth.younglife.org. That's midvalleynorth.younglife.org. And, Jessica, being on the front lines with today's youth, how are they taking these pandemic closures? You know, that's a that's a hard question. 
I really think it depends on how their families are taking uh, the closures. Um, I have a very uh, great group of kids whose families are very involved in the extracurriculars that they do um, and just being safe and they're, and they're believers, uh, some of them and some of them are newly believers. And I feel like it really comes down to what makes the most sense? How can we how can we control what we're doing? Um, and so I think the hardest thing is kids want to be with their friends. Um, they miss having those friend interactions. They miss just being able to go uh, down the street, uh, you know, to play basketball and everything. And so I do know that they struggle with not having their sports and not having their choir and drama and band um, performances and practices. And so I think it's a little mixed bag. You know, my kids specifically, they they already spend a lot of time together. So they have interactions with one another. But as far as like the, the kids, they, their friends they don't get to see, it's been difficult to pull them together. And so I definitely think they're struggling and parents are um, doing everything they can to give them some sort of outside involvement, um, even if it's just as simple as doing something cool at the house. And so I've been very fortunate to see our parents rally together behind our kids to create um, something fun. One of my one of my girls, her parents put together this amazing race for her birthday, and um, we you know had cohorts just running around downtown Salem, you know, and doing this amazing race style challenges and stuff at places that they can be, and that was really cool to see. And you invite the whole neighborhood and social distance, and everyone's safe. And um, yeah, so parents are definitely rallying behind, trying to give their kids better opportunities um, because kids need it. They they miss their friends, they miss uh, being in the halls of their school and. And we're just doing the best we can, you know? Well, that's really all you can do, Jessica. So what has young life meant to you personally? Did you have any young life influence in your life when you were a girl? Yeah, my history with young life has been pretty long. So I, I'm i a, a daughter of a business owner. Uh, my father owned a restaurant for 20 years um, in Kaiser, well, in Salem Kaiser, um, just right at the break right there. And because of that uh, business, I saw a lot of firsthand experience with Young Life because uh, he was a big supporter of Kaiser Young Life. And so they would bring kids in there to have breakfast and they would bring their campaigners group, which is like a Bible study to have cinnamon rolls first thing in the morning. And so I got to see a lot of hands-on Young Life um, action. But at the time, you know, I was really young. My Our business opened when I was 10. So, um, you know, when I was in there at 12, 13, I didn't really know what was happening. Um, but I do remember, um, a leader who was really involved, Jeremy Williams, who is, um, just so he's such a blessing to this community. I'd see him every day and he'd always say hello. And he'd always ask me how I was doing and, um, never really understood the why I didn't really understand. Um, like, oh my gosh, this guy's like, he's actually like talking to me and asking about me. And, you know, I'm in, I'm helping dad out that morning, you know, I'm just greeting customers and everything or bussing tables. And it's like, oh, wait, he actually wants to know how I'm doing. Like, that's interesting. Or maybe he'd invite me over to, you know, have, um, have some iced tea while they're sitting there talking and, and didn't really understand what young life was um, until I got into high school and I got to experience um, it firsthand with leaders at McKay. I went to McKay High School and finally put two and two together about the importance of getting to know kids and building relationships with them um, on our terms, right? Um, at the kids' speed, meeting them where they're at is what we say. And um, really just 
kind of was like an aha of, oh, wow, like here this person is, this leader who is really invested in what I'm doing. And he asks about um, music stuff and he knows I'm involved in basketball and he asks questions because he sees me every day, right? I'm basically like one of the kids, even, you know, <laughs> even though I'm not, and I don't go to McNary. Um, and I just really took to that type of relationship building um, and the importance of having a caring adult in a kid's world where they don't feel as though they have to. Um, it was never a pressure of like, well, you should you should come to these events or um, and you didn't have to feel like you had to talk to them. It was really just about, hey, I just wanted to let you know I see you um, and I care about you and I care about what you're doing. And if you do want to have a conversation or you do want to, you're more than welcome. And so <clears throat> that was something that really stuck with me in my younger years and pretty much through high school. I didn't get involved with it in college because at the time there was not a Young Life College. Um, but I saw firsthand um, as kids came through the restaurant uh, just how impactful it was to have somebody pick them up, take them to get breakfast in the morning and just see how they were because they cared. They just cared to know the good, the bad, the ugly, and in between and loving them like Jesus loves them. And um, it was just very powerful for me. And I uh, thankfully got to uh, be an adult in my later life and get to give back myself. Um, and went back to my high school at McKay and led there as a volunteer um, in the halls where at that time when I, I mean, nothing's really changed, but the the thought process is if you went to McKay or if you were um, on the fringe type kid um, in Northeast Salem, then you weren't going to amount to anything. And so here I got to come back to my school and um, show kids like there's a way out. And I say that in the way of if you go to this school, then you're not going to amount. But I had gone to the school. I had um, been successful. I'd you know, done all these things. And kids were like, wow, like you did these things. Like it's possible for me. Um, and I cared about what they were doing. And so it really just kind of affirmed the sense of just being where kids are and letting them know, hey, it doesn't, and honestly, it doesn't even matter. Like you're loved regardless of how you perform. Like, so just be you, you know? Um, so yeah, so I think that, yeah, I have a really big heart for Young Life and its ministry and its love for kids. More with Jessica Peterson from Young Life next on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. Mike Lee here filling in for Georgine. Our very special guest is Jessica Peterson, Young Life North Community Director. And Jessica, I love the fact that you're so transparent about your life and how difficult it was for you to grow up in Salem. And at the same time, somehow God crept in and faith was introduced to you. So can you tell us where and when your faith became your own and who influenced that in your life? Hmm. Um, when my faith became my own, you know, I think uh, in the past probably three years is really when um, things uh, started looking up. I say that as just my whole energy, my whole attitude. Um, I attribute a lot of that to my former boss. Before the sheriff's office, I was in retail management. Um, and um, we talked about God having a funny sense of humor and placing people in our lives. And at my retail job, uh, my store manager uh, was a woman is a is a woman of faith, and um, we built a really great friendship. Um, we had really great 
talks and chats a lot of times um, and tears um, just kind of about where we were in our lives and 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 the love and uh, grace that God had showed us both in our personal lives and um, and I, I feel like I can't I can't give one person credit obviously God gets all of the credit but the people that he's placed in my life has been in every position that I've had um, every job that I've had you know starting with um, my my pastor at my church that I was baptized at when I was little to my father being a beacon of just, um, gosh, uh, what it looks like when God really shows up and when you start to walk with him and through the restaurant and, um, with Jeremy Williams and countless amounts of other people that, um, I was involved with and who were friends of my father who watched me grow up, um, who all had a hand in it. And then as an adult, um, my boss at Lane Bryant. And then at the sheriff's office, I had uh, one of my coworkers who was also a woman of faith. And we would um, have conversations um, about who God is and and our lives and that. Um, and so I think that like every step of the way, like I said, God was really, he had his hand in everything and was shining lights in areas of my life. And, and I happened to catch it and I happened to see it and I happened to hold on to it tightly. And so but when it really all came together for me was when I left retail management night. And, and at that time I was trying to run from Salem. I think I was on my way to a retail management position, like a store manager in Portland. And I wanted to sing. I was performing very regularly and um, in Portland, in the Portland area. And I was just very close to like maybe getting my own store. And I got a, had a lunch with the under sheriff at the time and it turned into a recruitment opportunity and I didn't understand why? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I've never thought about working in retail. They wanted somebody to help run their social media and communications and uh, community engagement. And they knew who my father was, but they also knew the work that I had done in the community um, as of late of just being a bridge builder and an advocate, um, you know, conversations around race and reconciliation. And um, they wanted somebody with some life experience who wasn't afraid to sh have tough conversations and somebody who had social media experience. And I had run um, all of the social media for our restaurants and everything and, you know, didn't major in communications. But when you put my resume together, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do have all this experience. And that's kind of crazy. And so um, that was like that. God was pulling me back into Salem. I was trying to go to Portland. He said, oh, no, I've got opportunities for you here. Um, trust me. And it was not, I'm not lying to you, Mike. It was within a day I had interviewed. So I go through this interview process. There's 185 candidates for this job at the, at the sheriff's office. Um, I go through two interviews I get to my last interview. I'm one of five candidates and they're like, we'll call you on Friday. My interview is on Monday. Like we'll get, we'll know by Friday, no call on Friday, nothing on Monday, nothing on Tuesday. So I was like, okay, this is God's God's word, right? Um, at that time, my district manager knew that I had applied, knew that I was waiting to hear, but she was like, you let me know, like, if you're ready to go, we'll move you to Portland. Tuesday rolls along. I didn't hear anything. So I'm like, okay, next day was Wednesday. My boss actually was headed back to Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, my, my friend. And so I actually was going to be able to stay in Kaiser probably, but still was teetering with the Portland idea. And so Wednesday comes along, I go to my boss's house to share with her the news that I'm staying and 10 minutes before I leave, I get a phone call from the commander uh, who was a part of my interview process. Very apologetic. So, so sorry. We didn't get back to you right on time. Things were happening. HR this and yada, yada, yada. But we want to offer you the position. And I was just like, whoa. Because like, I was, my mind was made up. My dad was telling me, Jessica, just wait it out. Like, why are you so impatient? It's going to work out. 
and I get the phone call. And that's when I knew that was when I was like, okay, there's something, there's something to this listening and walking in faith (laughs) type thing. I'm like, there's something I'm missing and I haven't been doing it. Um, And I took the job and the job for me didn't make sense uh, because I was like, I had all of these things in Portland, but God kept providing. So as staying in Salem, he provided me an opportunity to perform at the Elsinore. Um, And then I started getting hired for musicals um, in Salem that supplemented that need and that energy of my passion of music. Um, But I was like, why downtown Salem? Why the sheriff's office? And honestly, Mike, I think it, I mean, I know it had everything to do with where I'm at in my assignment now, because had it not been for that move, um, I wouldn't have had the time or made the time to volunteer at McKay. And then that volunteer position at McKay led to a full-time position at North Salem High School and recognizing that my downtown connections, the relationships that I built with businesses and nonprofits um, because of the job I had at the sheriff's office really set me up to be ready to have conversations with those same people in the North Salem community um, and gave me the contact information and the confidence to be able to conduct conversations with business owners in the downtown community. Um, And I think within that transition of recognizing just how good God was, because I never thought about being full-time in ministry. Um, I always loved being a part of Young Life. And, you know, and I told you, I looked for it in college and I'm like, well, how can I get involved? And I realized, okay, God had a plan at the end of this. And every job that I took, every decision I made led me to the North Sam community through, um, through trusting him. And that process honestly solidified for me just how important it is to walk in faith um, and to not be doubtful, um, and just how good God is, because ever since then, I am recognizing that it's not me. It's not just on my own will, right? Um, that it's him and I, God and I in relationship to be able to do this work. And, um, and I would say that just my life story in itself is a testament to, that conversation. And so, yeah, so 2017 was a really big year for me. Um, and I left the county uh, this year. I left in January. Um, I was in talks for the job at North uh, in October of last year, interviewed um, and made the decision in December that I wanted to do this and left in January of this year and started in April. And that's where I'm at now at um, ministry in the North community. That's North Salem High School. Um, right now we're doing Parish Wildlife, which is middle school students. And, you know, and, and hopefully in five years we'll be at Hauk or in Howard Street. You know, there's so many plans that I have um, to just show kids that they're loved and wanted um, in our communities. What a wild ride it's been for you, Jessica Peterson. (laughs) I'm Mike Lee filling in. More with Jessica Peterson from Young Life next on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee filling in. You may remember a recent interview with the owner of Rainbow West Christian Supply, my pal Rick Adams. And Rick told me... Mike, you've got to meet this young woman, Jessica Peterson. She's a real interesting and productive young Christian woman. Thanks for your example before the youth. And you're not that old yourself, but you're distanced enough that you've been around the block when it comes to, you know, growing up with your parents and dealing with divorce and running the restaurant and Western Oregon University. And I'm glad that you're able to go back with a mission in mind and get that degree of yours. So congratulations. 
Thank you. So I want to switch gears here. I sound about as white as it can get, but I'm actually an Asian American and I'm a 100% American born Chinese, although I was raised in the suburbs on Long Island in New York. And I don't speak the language, unfortunately. Both my mom and my dad came from the Cantonese. So as a result of that, it's the minority of the minorities because most Chinese people speak Mandarin instead of Cantonese. So I know how it is being the only one or one of very few minorities or people of color growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood. So how has it been for you, Jessica Peterson, and how can you use your experience to not only educate the kids that you're helping serve in young life, but the community around us? Yeah, um, that's a good question. You know, I I think within the same time frame of me um, finding out my strength in God was a lot of the conversations of my identity. Um, because if I'm being honest, like I grew up a pretty privileged life, you know, um, we ran a business, um, we were in that percentile of people with businesses. And so it was just a different world. Um, but it wasn't until I went back uh, down south to Louisiana um, for a family reunion, um, recognizing that I have family and cousins all over all over the nation and um, really realizing that I had been um, conditioned to believe that who I am, um, my mannerisms, um, w- was not accepted. Um, that I was just too loud and I, and I did talk too much and I was intimidating. Um, and I went to Louisiana for three days and recognized that I was in good company, that there was not one person that was out of place, quote unquote. Um, and I came back from that trip really angry, actually, um, because here I was, I grew up in a community that was the only place I've known. I mean, I've lived in Salem my whole life. Um, my dad was one of few b- black business owners in the community for a very long time. Um, at the time, we were, I believe, the only restaurant of color. Um, and I didn't really see, and I didn't really see a lot of uh, kids of color, but the ones that I did know in school, it was that sense of I was not black enough for my black friends and I was too black for my white friends. Um, that was a complex I carried and that was aggravating. And so when I got back from Louisiana a few years ago, I was like, why have I been assuming that this is just how it is? Um, and what can I do to stop, to change that narrative of, being able to be truly who you are without excuses, without apologizing, um, because the way that I'm living my life, um, if it's a God-filled way, um, is inspiring. Why Why can't I believe that? And um, so I struggled. The, pa- the past few years has been a big struggle of me questioning my own identity. You know, my family is not here. Um, most of my family is in California. So I've been um, the only one in my family, the only family of Petersons, Browns that are in Oregon, um, besides one of my uncles who lived here. And so I didn't grow up with my own culture. Um, And so I struggle to even understand what that is and to have those conversations. But what I do know is that despite that, it doesn't give people an excuse to be rude. It doesn't give people an excuse to be cruel. And there are going to be differences. And those differences don't make us less of a human. They don't make us less loved by God. And if, I, if I'm if i trying to instill anything, it is being able to look at every situation and 
see if it's welcoming to every single person. Um, I serve on the regional diversity and inclusion team for our, for Young Life at Oregon Cascades. And, um, and the work that we do is not about telling people how to live their lives. It's about, it's about coming alongside our leaders. If we're talking about reaching kids, um, and minish, and, and we want to be with every kid and we want to, um, introduce kids to Jesus Christ, um, we need to know all of those kids. And, and knowing all those kids is knowing about some of the norms in their cultures that make them who they are, that give them those thought processes and ideals. And we have to be able to recognize that as, as, kingdom builders as leaders um, and not condemn them. And um, so I would say I am just really attempting to live my truth, um, to have those tough conversations. And uh, I, I tell my friends, I can love you and still tell you you're being ignorant. And I stand by that. I am not afraid to have a tough conversation. But if I'm recognizing that that conversation is um, driven in a misunderstanding because of something that was maybe drilled or taught to you, um, we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to love you regardless of it. Um, And I'm not going to do it because I want you to think that I'm superior to you. Just recognizing that your truth and your reality is not my truth and my reality. Um, and that's the same with our kids. That's the same with adults. That's the same with churches. Um, we have to be better listeners. We have to be willing to not be the smartest person in the room and sometimes just listen to listen and not to understand um, in the sense of not trying to fix it. And until we do that, honestly, we're going to still be divided. Um, so I'm working towards having those good, positive, life-giving conversations because um, Jesus didn't pull any punches when it came to who he loved and how he loved and how he did his work and who he stood for and stood by, which is all of us. And we should be doing the same. Some brilliant insights from a young woman of color. Jessica, if there's anything you'd want people to know about you on the way out, what words of advice, what's God put on your heart that you need to share with our community? Yeah, I would say that we have to humble ourselves to um, things that we don't understand. Um, I My words of advice would be, um, the work isn't done. Um, we are building a kingdom. And to some people, um, they may not understand or see that, but we are walking examples of what that can be um, if we're doing it um, with a humble spirit um, and not for personal or self-gain. And so I would just encourage people to continue uh, to seek out their why um, behind of what they're doing and how they can continue to be a positive light in anybody's lives, regardless of where you are spiritually or in your relationship with Christ or not. Um, we have to be better at just opening the door and letting anybody walk through and loving them through it. And let's do that in humility, friends. Jessica Peterson, thank you so much for spending time out of your busy schedule, not only to dive in in the middle of a pandemic era to serve as the North Community Director of Mid-Valley North Young Life, but to just share some of your thoughts and insights and experiences with us today. Thank you, Mike. A pleasure being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Let's keep the conversation going and do this again sometime, all right? Absolutely. You can find out more information on the website, midvalleynorth.younglife.org. So thank you so much, Young Life's Jessica Peterson. My name is Mike Lee. It's an honor filling in for my dear friend and mentor, Georgine, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. 
And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.